Welcome to another edition of the Get the Knack podcast. I am your host, Jerry Knack, coming to you from the Get the Knack podcast studios in lovely Ocean Shores, Washington. And I'm joined by a very, very special guest this week. He is on the verge of obtaining his college degree in journalism, I believe, or digital media communications, somewhere in that realm. And uh, he is... uh, cemented himself as uh, an up-and-coming digital media journalist in the sports world in Florida. And as you all know out there, this stuff is uh, national and international. He just happens to be my son. Please welcome to the program, William Turner. William, thanks for being on the show. God, nobody knows me as William. You're going to... Jesus Christ. (laughs) I couldn't even tell you the last time anybody in the profession called me William. Goodness gracious. Well, but uh, but, but yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, having me on. I know you've been uh, asking for for only about six weeks now. Yeah, that's you know, and we should have done this a long time ago. Uh, but um, no, you've uh, you know carved out uh, you know quite a career for yourself, doing a little bit of everything down there in the uh, Tampa, Florida area, and throughout Florida and the Southeast uh, when it comes to to certain sports. But you know, um, we had the opportunity to uh, catch up a little bit uh, this summer when you came to visit uh, here in Washington. Helped us helped us move in, so we really appreciate that. Um, so this time of year is really, really interesting, right? Because, you know, college football is wrapping up. NFL playoffs are, are cranking up. Uh, basketball in full swing, men's and women's, um, you know, except for the WNBA. But men's and women's college and you got the NBA. Which is, and, always, which is always weird to me why that's in like the middle of the summer. <laughs> well, I think and I think the scheduling geniuses could figure this out, but. I think it's because they all play in NBA arenas, right? They're all backed by NBA marketing and all that stuff. So I think that's part of why the WNBA, uh, you know, but if you can figure out how to schedule basketball and hockey in the same fucking arena, you can figure out how to have women's and men's basketball in the same arena. Just a thought. I mean, yeah. I mean, colleges do it every, you know, every winter. I mean, you've got to go from, from, from hosting, you know, Coach K in, in back of the day with Roy Williams in North Carolina. And, and then, you know, the next night, you know, he'd welcome the women's teams or you'd do it the same night. USF runs uh, doubleheaders all the time. So, I mean, you know, it's not, not attainable. I mean, I know it's a, a much larger of a scale and, you know, a lot of different staffing, you know, when it's, uh, you know, kind of the same uh, university, a lot of it's the same staffing, whether that be ticket folks or, executives for for um you know fundraising and stuff like that but you know you'd have to bring in a whole different group of people with a different organization but 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 it's an, it, it's attainable the question is is will they ever do it right because i mean going back to high school right i mean even with just things like jv varsity and all that when i played freshman basketball in high school we'd play early then jv then varsity you'd have three basketball games you know and then you look at tournament scheduling, right? So if you can, if you can do, you know, tournaments with multiple games in a day, why can't you, um, Oh, these basketball tournaments down here do like six, seven games a day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, when I played, it was like that. And then when I, uh, did play by play, um, it was like that. And you just, you, you know, I think, God, what I do four games in a day 
it was, you know, hell on the vocal cords, but, uh, you know, you, you got it done. And I just, you know, I could see a day when WNBA and NBA go back to back. And you know what? That might be a decent strategy to up attendance too. Yeah. Yeah, it would. It would. I think, I think for sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the WNBA. So, so just kind of underappreciated. I mean, you know, they play less games in a season cause there's less franchises. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't want to play the same team six, seven, eight times in a year. So I understand that. But, you know, you look at some of the some of the, the world's greatest athletes, not just the country's greatest athletes, but you've got some of the world's greatest athletes between, you know, Sue Bird and, and Brianna Stewart and, and Diana Taurasi. I know I just I, I know I just uh, name dropped uh, three Yukon Huskies. <laughs> well, Lord, look at Candace Lord. Parker, too. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, you I know, say, athlete Lord, of the year. I hate Yukon. But yeah, you know, they there's a lot of good, good names, um, you know, good athletes that are, you know, that are some of the best in the world. Well, being here in the Pacific Northwest and after the Olympics, you know, we become big, big, uh, Brianna Stewart fans around here. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll get Sue a little, Bird too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll get a little more into that, uh, in a little bit. Um, as we, as we progress the conversation through the, the sporting landscape, um, but I did want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in, in football, right? Because, you know, right now, everybody in the NFL is looking at, you know, Black Monday and, you know, coaches uh, getting fired, you know, Vic Fangio, the Broncos and, and some other guys uh, this week uh, about to lose jobs if they haven't already. And, uh, you know, you look at college, right, which is, you know, your bailiwick that you that you cover for uh, for South Florida and it's it's really interesting because there's almost like like multiple cycles with this right as soon as everybody plays their last game the teams that sucked and they're going to replace their coach they are they go ahead and make the move and they do it early and you know they get a new coach if they don't have one installed like right away they do, they have one done in short order so they can get into the recruiting and all that stuff but yeah. what you're seeing and what we've talked about just you know in our private conversations it's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on down in the state of Florida when it comes to the transfer portal and the coaching hiring cycle and certain coaches that are almost like too big to fail so let's you know throw out all the assistant coaches hire new ones but the head coach is too big a salary to fire right now and just all yeah. kinds of interesting stuff going on in the Southeast in college football. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, who better than, than, than to ask someone that's, you know, gone through co- two coordinator searches in, in the last 45 days, uh, you know, in, in two very, very different styles of coaching searches because um, right after uh right after a, a, a painstaking loss at new at uh, Tulane in New Orleans that one that you know even uh you know USF athletic director Michael Kelly you know to kind of talk to us a little bit he goes I, aside from the Tulane game like I thought we were in pretty much everything else but the Tulane game's just I'm still beside myself about that and so USF fired their defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer after that game and and uh you know, that was fine and dandy. Uh, they did it. They think they announced it the Sunday after the game. So the day after the game around like six or seven o'clock at night. And, um, so that's your one style of coaching search. They go and 15 days later, they hire Bob Shoup, who, uh, former, uh, Vanderbilt Penn state defensive coordinator under James Franklin, uh, has had the number one defense in a country more than, more than once. Um, 
And uh, so that's, you know, your first style of coaching search, you're, you're fired. But what a lot of people don't understand is you have to, let's, you know, Charlie Weiss Jr., for example, uh, is the other coordinator search that USF has had to go through at this point. Um, he got poached by Ole Miss, you know, and, and, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is that when, you know, one school fills a vacancy, the other school's got to find someone to, to, to fill it because, you know, you, 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 Charlie Weiss Jr. goes to, goes to Ole Miss and now USF doesn't have an offensive coordinator and USF has got to figure out what they're going to do as a contingency plan. And, you know, it looks like we've, they, they, they figured it out. Finally, they're set to hire West Virginia, uh, tight ends coach, uh, Travis Trickett, who, uh, Trickett family's a, a pretty, pretty long running, uh, one, his dad coached with, Brad, uh, with Brad Scott, who's the dad of USF head coach, Jeff Scott at, uh, Florida state, um, under Bobby Bowden. I, I'm pretty sure that's where the connection lies, if I'm not mistaken, but bottom line you've you, now you've got now now West Virginia is going to have to deal with with something you know they were looking for an offensive coordinator now they're gonna have to look for a tight ends coach um you know so so you deal with with two very very different types of coaching searches in the context of it I mean that's just a coordinator I mean not you like we talked about head coach is completely completely different because you know you got to go through uh, you know the fan base wants you to go through through the retreads and wants you to hire Jim Levitt every every chance you get, or you know, um, you know, so or or go for the up and coming in the group of fives case, the up and coming group of five coordinator, or up and coming power five coordinator is is the coach of Jeff Scott, but is in the case of Jeff Scott, but yeah, two very very different coaching searches, man, and it, and it's just different. It's just it's I think it's different in terms of of. The idea that, um, you know, we, we you look at Alabama and you look at Georgia and you look at the top programs in college football, and it's just clockwork for them. It's machinery, right? right. Who, you know, as soon as as soon as you know Nick Saban, uh, you know, replaces his off uh, loses his offensive coordinator, who usually gets a promotion to the either to a head coaching job in college football or to the league. Um, or he Alabama. recycles somebody he's worked with before. I mean, he's he rehabil- right. rehabilitated Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin, and uh, Charlie Strong, and Charlie Strong, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so <laughs> since we're on the the coaching tip, right? So before we get into uh, players, because I have a, a pointed question about recruiting in in the Southeast, yeah. especially especially Florida. Yeah. But when it comes to coaches, right? It seems like every year there's the hot name that the NFL wants to pluck. And the one guy I really thought was going to be this year's like Matt rule, uh, was going to be Lincoln Riley and Lincoln Riley takes the USC job. And, you know, now it doesn't seem like, it seems like NFL teams, even if they're looking at a college coach, it's looking at somebody who had success at the NFL level before. Um, it really looks like, um, there isn't that, young hot shot college guy that's going to go make waves at the NFL level. Yeah, Joe Brady still. I mean, it, it, depending upon where Joe Brady is these days, which I can't remember. Um where the hell is Joe Brady at right now? Joe Brady's somewhere. Joe Brady is uh what oh, well, no, he was he was he was with Matt Rule at uh at, at Carolina before yeah. getting fired. Yeah, he's uh he's now unemployed. 
Um, and and that was the so thing. So maybe he wasn't the greatest example. But <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. There, let me Google that. And yeah, Joe Joe Brady's um, he's he's headed for the soup kitchen. Um, well, it looks like Matt Roll's gonna be doing the same thing. Well, it sounds like they were gonna keep him, and who knows? And you never you don't know what's gonna happen with the Giants. They're they're the ones that kind of playing their cards uh, cards close to the vest, and maybe by the time right. the show airs, he's he's out. But it it doesn't seem like there's any of those those hot names like we've had in in years past that you know took a program from the the down and outs and the dregs and 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 brought them up that is going to be considered for the NFL they're 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 getting they're getting other top tier college coaching jobs right yep mario cristobal to miami um lincoln riley to 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 usc uh, Brent Venables to 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 Oklahoma, Florida's um, new head coach, right? Billy Napier, yeah, yep. Billy Napier. To, uh, he, well, Billy Napier was actually the, you know, I mentioned the the up and coming group of five coordinator, yep. you know, or group of five head coach that you know had done great things at Louisiana Lafayette and Florida had noticed and and um, yeah, but no, I mean a lot of it's the up and comers, you know, guys that have been there. I mean, look at uh, 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 Dan Lanning, who's now a uh, former. Georgia DC that is uh taking over to Oregon. Right. Um, you know, so and you, then you, you get that you revolving door at Fresno State and you know it's it's you know throw a dart at the wall to see where Jeff Tedford is going to be this coming season. Uh you know it's it's yeah. interesting to see right and it some places tend to you know like you said they they like to uh promote from within uh like Notre Dame did. Um like Clemson like, like Clemson, Clemson. Clem- Clemson is the greatest example of that between Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott when they were there um, between, you know, now Brandon Streeter, uh, who's going to be their offense coordinator and whoever, uh, whoever Dabo promoted. But the, yeah, Dabo doesn't, it, you know, that, that the Clemson's a perfect example. of Because yeah, he's not an X's and O's guy. So, you know, they, they, to be able to bring in... He's not in, a transfer guy either, but he's no, going to have to figure that out. No, we're going to get into that right now here in a second. <laughs> so, right. Because so, <laughs> we've talked about it. And the reason, that's the reason we laugh, right? So you're listening to the Get the Knack podcast with your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm joined by digital media sports journalist and my son, Will Turner. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there Yeah. I, I, I'm on it. I listen. Um <laughs> So we've kind of, you know, the, during the time that you have gone from middle school to today and you've grown up oh, in, God. right, but as you've grown up covering sports, right, and learning to be yeah. a digital media journalist and all these different things, there's been a sea change two different ways. One, with the state of Florida when it comes to players, right? When I was growing up and even into, you know, my years of becoming a journalist, Florida had three schools, Florida State, Florida, and Miami. And that's where all the kids went. That's where all, I mean, and Florida is a hotbed of talent for, for football in the United States, right? There's, there's several pockets and Florida is one of them. And, you know, and then Florida, Texas, California. Yep. Ohio. Yeah. And then even into Pennsylvania there, right? Kind of, they, they share the the state line there. So. Right, yeah, North, Carolina, West, North, North Carolina, and uh, Alabama, and, and and Georgia, I'd say. Right. So with Florida, you know, you get it. The occasional uh, Big Ten school would come poach somebody from from Florida, but you know, and every once in a while, somebody would would rise up out of a small school in Florida, like like a Dante Culpepper, yep. and or even even 
from, and I got to mention the historically black colleges because sometimes somebody would rise up out of a grambling like a Doug Williams I'm in recent memory, right? But, you know, also Steve McNair, right, would, mm-hmm. would come out of there. And now we got to talk about it because now you have Central Florida, South Florida, all the other Florida schools. And now Deion Sanders has, uh, you know, skipped some stones across the water to, to create some ripples. Um, you know, even though they lost their uh, season-ending game, they had a, a resurgence there, which really surprised me because I'm not a Deion Sanders fan. Uh, but it does seem like the competition for Florida high school football talent and you made your bones covering high school football in the the tampa area um it it just seems like there's more competition for the the talent coming out of florida yeah it goes further than that it goes a lot further than that because i mean the the big three as as we know florida miami and and florida state are not getting all of the florida kids you know the top florida kids and it's not even just you know that, that USF is getting some or, or, or UCF is getting some. It's, you know, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, um, you know, your top three in the recruiting rankings right now. Ohio State usually is good to come down and, and grab, a Florida, grab a Florida prospect here or there. Notre Dame comes down and grabs a Florida prospect here or there. Michigan comes down and grabs a prospect. North Carolina did. Oklahoma did. Um, but it goes beyond the blue bloods of college football because uh, while everybody thinks, you know, Texas A&M, great example, I'll tell you, the Aggies the Aggies ended up flipping a five-star uh, defensive lineman, uh, Gabe Brownlow-Dendy from Lakeland. And, you know, you and I know that, that Lakeland is, is one of the most storied programs around the area. and. Mm-hmm. With, with what Bill Castle has, has put together, um, regardless if you agree with, with how he builds his roster. Um, but, uh, you know, they, 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 Gabe, Gabe Dindy was committed to Oklahoma for the longest time. And as soon as Lincoln Riley steps down, well, uh, not steps down, but takes the USC job just a few days before the early signing period, which needs to be abolished, in my opinion. <laughs> Excuse me. But, um, you know, he leaves to go to to, to USC, and Gabe Dindy, um, you know, goes on record, and he says, I don't really appreciate the way that they went about, um, you know, telling everyone and, 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 and how that all went down. So he ends up flipping to Jimbo Fisher, and uh, Texas A&M uh, ends up signing uh, with, with, with the Aggies. Um, you know, and he's one of literally – five 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 star prospects that that Texas A&M has and 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 four of them or three of them rather are from are from Texas so you you know Texas A&M is you know kind of a an outlier here but um it's not just those guys it's not just your blue bloods college football it's sure. it's it's your Iowa states it's your Iowa it's i mean Iowa states got like seven kids from Tampa in in the bay area whether it be from Hillsborough Pinellas County um, you know, they, they've, they've got a ton, um, you know, your Iowa States and that's part of why Iowa state is back on the rise because of look of who look at who they're, they're recruiting. They're recruiting a lot of good Florida talent. Um, Iowa is, is good to grab at least one, maybe two, two kids from, from Tampa, if not Florida as a, as a whole, um, Iowa's, Iowa's done a, a solid job of, of getting down here. 
um, and kind of poaching poaching a, a three star or, or a low four star or something like that. Um, I know you got that Toledo. Um, Toledo, uh, they've got local connections. Former Plant, uh, Tampa Plant, longtime head coach Robert Weiner is their quarterbacks coach. So he, you know, went up to, to Toledo and is taking some of those kids. George is taking of, some of those Florida kids. You know, yeah, not to not to even really... like little little schools that's yeah. you know kind of my whole point but no you just made a, a that's why i wanted to jump in you just made a great point right the more you start filtering out coaches that you know to these other programs across the country yeah. they yeah. know where the talent is or they know where they can find some right they know yeah. hey where i you know uh cut my teeth coaching in 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 tampa or or wherever it is uh, in Texas or or Los Angeles or whatever, I I came from there. We've got great talent. Let's go. You know, we're up here at Washington State. Let's go down to L.A. and get some guys. And Washington, and while in Washington State's another one that comes down here, and they've recruited. I mean, they've recruited really well down here in the Bay Area, when, especially when Steve Spurrier Jr. was on staff. Um, it's about knowing where to find tri- guys, right? I mean, yeah, right, really, right? I mean, and this is why. This is what it comes down to. Yeah, because in the NFL, you have area scouts. Right. You got, you know, you'll, you'll have six scouts and they're assigned to different regions or whatever number of scouts you have assigned from different regions. And, and they're, you know, um, you got a guy who's who's scouting the southeast, probably Florida specifically, who's from the area more than likely or played in the area. Right. So when you look at college, right, typically because you always hear the story about the guy who got away. Right. And, and a lot of times, most of the time you hear that you know, Oklahoma, Texas area or Ohio and Michigan or Ohio and Pennsylvania, right? You'll find, oh yeah, Ohio State didn't recruit me, so I'm going to go to Michigan State, you know. Um, and then they, they go and, and beat the snot out of Ohio State because they're pissed off because um, they weren't recruited. But the the thing is that the, that college football fans have to understand today is something that you know, you gave me a great explanation for it, and I don't want to go too deep into the explanation, but just let's talk about the ramifications for it, right? So me being old school, and a lot of college coaches still that way. You mentioned Dabo Sweeney and, and not wanting to engage in too many transfers. The way transfers used to work was a totally different animal. You had to sit out a year, um, you know, and it, it was a, a weird, not as weird as a transfer portal, but it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't as common as it is, is is becoming, right? Guys transferring, you really had to have a reason. Now it's almost like NFL free agency. These guys go in the transfer portal and, and go wherever the hell they want. Um, but it's the ramification, right? It's it's not yeah. even how it works. It's and, and you're seeing it with your school, and we'll talk about that in two seconds, but the, the lay the groundwork for it. Even somebody like Caleb Williams, who bursts onto the scene, put Spencer Rattler on the bench for Oklahoma – jumps in the transfer portal when Lincoln Riley goes to USC. Used to be a lot of guys were tied to a coach, but they'd be stuck because they were a scholarship player for that school. Now it's a totally different animal. And for some schools like South Florida, able to change the the makeup of a, at least a rebuilding entire units. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than getting that one key piece, which you can still do, but you're, it's almost like the NBA trade deadline, right? Where you're, you're remaking your entire starting five at the trade deadline. Now at the transfer portal, you can re- remake a used to be, uh, you'd get a couple of Juco guys, uh, you know, and, uh, and maybe one decent name transfer, 
But now yep. look at look at Will, what Will Levis did. He was sitting a bench behind Sean Clifford at Penn State. He goes to Kentucky, turns into a star. Yep, it, it's changed yep. the entire well, and, landscape. And and and, I'll, and and for a lot of these guys, you know, transferring transferring schools used to used to be used to have a really really bad connotation with it. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, well, this kid's transferring. Why is he transferring? Did he have a rift with a coach? Was there a rift with a player? Um, did he you know, do something w- off the field? Did he do something off the field wrong? But now with the transfer portal, it's not – it doesn't have the connotation, right? No. You will still have those situations. Like, you know, you you will continue to have those situations. USF had a couple players um, when Jeff Scott got in that just weren't culture fits. So they hit the portal. But for a lot of these guys, it's it's a fresh start. It's a chance to you know clean the slate, go to go to a new school, and create a create a legacy. I mean, it's or or just you know or just have a chance a, to play, a change of scenery. Yeah, have a have a place to play, have a chance to play, have a change of scenery. Because think about it, right? You talk so much about professional sports. Okay, well, you know, and, and we talk about it a lot in baseball, especially is is you know X Y Z player needs to be you know. Uh, you know, maybe makes a jump from the AL to the NL or vice versa. And, you know, the change was a lot better for him because maybe he enjoyed being in um, Cincinnati as opposed to, to Pittsburgh or couldn't you know, play in New York under the bright lights, had to go somewhere small market. Sunny Gray. I mean, you know, perfect example. I, you know, it's, it's, you see that a lot, but. In, in, in the pros and especially baseball, I talk about it a lot, but it's it's similar in college football. It's really similar in college football, and and I don't think you see, um, I don't necessarily think you 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 see, um, you know, in, in USF's case, in USF's case, it's it's really really intriguing to me because in USF's case, they're bringing back eight players. That were from, you know, the that 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 are from the Tampa area, and they're bringing them home. And these were kids that the previous staff either didn't recruit at all, or they didn't recruit well enough, or those kids were destined to go to Power Five places and wanted to go pay, play Power Five football. Um, and they just kind of skipped over USF. Well, they don't. They go to the Power Five program. They get shuffled behind, you know, seniors and juniors. And they don't want to wait that long, so to come to USF because they see an opportunity to play, and you and 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 you're bringing in now you're bringing in guys that are from the Bay Area, you know when the previous staff didn't recruit the Bay Area as well as some people thought they did, um, and and that's you know that there can there this staff is content of doing doing that. I don't know how you know other programs are doing it if they're doing a similar thing, you know if they're accepting. You know, Florida State's accepting, you know, more more guys from the Tallahassee area or from the North Florida area, area or whatever. But you know, USF is doing a a fantastic job of, of of bringing players back and 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 trying to build their culture, not just building their 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 team, but building their culture and building the outbound culture of you know telling the high school kids, hey, it's okay to go to USF because you know Clyde Pinter Jr. went there and James Ash went there and. And, and we don't want to mention Sharon Pearson, do we? <laughs> 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 the, 
the only uh, draft pick I ever heard of coming out of there until, you know, recently. But, you know, it's funny. We talk about the transfer portal. I was going to slip in, you know. So Jason Pierre-Paul gets there. Yeah, that's true. Very, very much so. But it's kind of funny. This is this has worked out for so many people unless your name's Kelly Bryant. <laughs> who I think made a ridiculously dumb decision. He could have could have been a backup on a national championship winning team. Instead, he goes and and basically uh, spikes his own career. Uh, Man, and that was and he was a, and he, and 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 the crazy part is 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 Jeff Scott will uh, will reference him from time to time because even you know Clemson, Clemson, Missouri, but. It's it's funny, man. I mean, that was one of the greatest in-season coaching decisions ever made to bench him for for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you know, but the fact of the matter was, you know, let's stay on a team that's going to win championships. And, you know, all it takes is the guy get a hangnail and you go in and play, right? Yep. So, and you, uh, Kelly Bryant's example of, you know, he's the guy, he's Rico in the Dr. Pepper commercial, goes in the transfer portal and just disappears. Um, <laughs> you know, anyway... So, here on uh, the Get the Knack podcast, we always like to talk about storytelling, right? And most of the time, I'm talking to folks about, uh, you know, fiction writing and television and movies and that kind of thing. Um, but with you, it's a, it's a lot different because, you know, it's, it's really interesting how, uh, you know, you didn't grow up with me, yet you followed this career path. And I know you picked it on your own and, and developed it on your own and all that. And, um and we talk about it all the time, but, you know, and I'm happy to give advice when, when I can. Um, but one of the things that I like to do, and I encourage you to do it too, and you, you've developed uh, relationships uh, with um, experienced journalists yourself, is kind of pay attention to the people who came before us and did it well or did it right. Um, and a couple of guys that, that made their career off of one story, uh, they did a lot of good work throughout their careers, but... Uh, Woodward and Bernstein, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, the guys who were famous uh, for uh, breaking the Watergate story yep. and bringing down uh, President uh, Nixon. Big story on uh, CBS Sunday Morning this morning about Carl Bernstein. A lot of times Woodward's in the in the news. He's always got a book coming out every other week. Um, but uh, you know, with with Carl Bernstein, it was the first time I really heard how he got his job, how he started. And uh, he was with a newspaper in, in Washington, D.C. that's now defunct. But he was a high school kid. And he flunked out of high school and didn't graduate college. One paper didn't want to promote him. He found an editor with the Washington Post who believed in him. I mean, he's breaking Watergate in his 20s, right? Um, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner and all this other stuff. And, I mean, I mean, he could have been a one-hit wonder in, in – you know, that's all he had to do. It's, it's kind of like, you know, Lou Reed didn't have to do anything after walking the wild side. Uh, but he did, right? Um, so the thing is, you look at that, right? He was a copy boy for a newspaper, and that's how he started, right? And you look at, and, and you know, we, we talk about great announcers, and we talk about play-by-play and, uh, you know, that kind of thing in sports. And it's really interesting how you get into the business today, and how different it is. And I was on the edge of that when I got into it, how different it is. Because in the 50s and 60s, if you had a voice, if you had this deep, resonant voice, you could be a disc jockey, right? Or a, a radio newsman or anything along those lines. And somewhere along the line, that changed. It became, 
you know, anybody who's, who speaks clearly and is conversational, sounds like every man, they can, they can be an announcer or something like that. And, you know, there's been a polar shift in the last 25 years, I want to say in, in journalism that, you know, back in the day, you were a newspaper man or writer, or you were a photographer or you were a, a radio this or a television that. Now you got to do everything because yep. the, the Internet is this this ultimate mishmash of of every medium ever created. Right. Audio, visual, all yeah. of that. Right. So some of the differences I look at and, and it's funny because we always come back to this. It starts with writing. You can't do anything until you learn how to write in this business. But where you go from there is, is up to you. In your case, you know, if you would expound a little bit kind of on, you know, how you developed your skills and how you came to the realization you were going to have to to be an expert in multiple disciplines as opposed to just one, right? You've got a good voice. You could, you could stick to, you know, radio or announcing or something along those lines. But, you know, you've taken up photography, you've... Uh, you know, you write, you've done radio, you've done all these different things, but you're a pretty good photographer too. So at what point did you figure out, you know, you were going to have to become your own cottage industry to, to do this? Uh, pretty early in all honesty. Um, you know, uh, you, you kind of learn, you know, from your influences as you kind of alluded to. Um, and, you know, a lot of my influences growing up were, you know, watching, watching the Tampa Bay, you know, it, Tampa used to have two newspapers back in the day. Tampa used to have, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Times, which is still formerly the St. Petersburg Times, which is still in existence. Um, and, uh, in the Tampa Tribune, I always grew up a Tampa Tribune fan, um, you know, always grew up a Tampa Tribune fan. Uh, we used to get, you know, the newspaper every single day in um, the library. I was a library geek when I was a when I was in, you know, middle school especially, and you know, it was knew my uh, the, the 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 media center specialist like you know like like she was a second mom, um, you know, when I was when I was in in, in school and. You know, would go there every day. I worked on the morning show on, uh, on the morning show way back in the day. I worked in, um, you know, for the yearbook uh, for a little bit. I, you know, did uh, did a lot of different things, and um, so I was in the library every single day. And every single day when I would, you know, pack, eat my, eat my lunch because that's where I ate my lunch because you know the cafeteria is a, is a, is a wild place and <laughs> it's the wild know, west. I, I, <laughs> yeah, well, I was always like that. You know, I middle school I ate I ate library. Um, and when the library was closed, we ate in the office. Um, it was me and like a handful of other kids. And, uh, in, and in high school, we ate in the band room every day. We went to go for, for the good majority of my, my high school career. We, uh, we went to the band room and, uh, the last uh, the, like year and a half, my junior and senior in high school, uh, ate in, ate in our journalism classroom, uh, room, you know, it was a, it was a two, uh, it was a two. Uh, the classroom had a, a kind of two distinct, distinct rooms to it. It had the, that the classroom piece and then a computer lab where we wrote all our stories and stuff like that for the school newspaper. So, um, we'd always eat there, you know, and, and, 
whatever. But um, we had a little crew that would go there and do that. We just, you know, would eat and then we'd shoot the shit for the rest of the time. You know, we'd get like an hour for lunch. We'd we'd just like I said, or a regular class period for lunch, and you know, we just we'd we'd eat, we'd 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 play games. We'd just we'd just we'd just be high schoolers. And but back in middle school, you know, when uh when I was when I was kind of first figuring out what I wanted to do, um, our we had a uh, subscription to the Tampa uh, to to the Tampa Tribune and uh, the media uh, media center would always get daily copies of the Tribune and you know every single every single day I you know I'd flip through it look primarily at the pictures wouldn't read many of the stories because um, that's what you did when you were eleven uh, you looked at the pictures and, and read the captions and that was about it um, and, and and these were the days where like the Bucks were really really bad. Um, the Rays were kind of mediocre. Um, they were good, but they were like kind of, that was before the, it was like right after the world series run in 08, you know, they're kind of like in between. And then, um, you know, the lightning were really, really bad at that time. Um, you know, so, you know, so, uh, so, so I, you know, would, would flip directly to, to the high school section. And as I got older, and as I got older, you know, kind of in my eighth grade year, and I, you know, knew the, you know, I knew the people that, you know, had moved on to high school that I had either, you know, played basketball with at PE or, you know, ran track with or, or, or played soccer with. And I'd always look for their names in the newspaper because this was, you know, Tampa Tribune would, 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 would run that, would run, you know, the high school scores in our own little section if they didn't have dedicated coverage with, you know, same section where the horse races were and all that good stuff. So every day, you know, I'd go and, and look at the Tampa Tribune and, and go find my friends and the, you know, uh, that, that had already graduated middle school and, and, and looked for them with Spoto or for Riverview or Tampa Tech or wherever the heck they went. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's what I do every day at lunch when I was in middle school. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're very shaped by your influences and, um, you know, um, I met uh, met one of my good friends, uh, kind of through through the Tampa Tribune, uh, Jared Guthrie, who I literally just had a dinner with uh, two nights ago, and uh, and Jared used to write for the Tribune for a long time before uh, before he got uh, axed and and bought out. Um, you know, but he was always one that I loved reading. You know, I loved his coverage of of high school. And so, you know, very early on, he was one that I kind of set out, you know, and, and, and wanted to meet. And, uh, it was a 2015, uh, uh, Saladino tournament, um, which is, uh, Hillsborough County's week long over spring break week long baseball tournament for high school teams. So I was out covering Riverview and, uh, they'd won a big game and they were going to play Jesuit who was like top team in the area at that time. Um, you know, they're going to play Jesuit in like the quarterfinal the next day. It was the first time in 20 years or first, first time in, in 10 to 15 years that Riverview was, was advancing in the tournament. So, you know, that, that, that's where I met, met Jarrett and, uh, and, and I'll never forget first thing he, uh, he, he says to me, he goes, he goes, uh, are, are, are you sure this is what you want to do with, with the rest of your life? And, uh, he still asks me that question every now and again. But, uh, you know, so he was kind of one of the first guys that I really got into and, uh, you know, really met and, and kind of admired. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it's grown uh, quite a bit. You know, we've got a, a whether it be on the high school side or whether it be in the USF media room, you know, we've still got some more so on the high school side. You know, we've still got our 
are guys that are the the OGs that have been around for for six seven years or 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 longer than that. But I mean, shoot, I go to a high school football game in uh, 2021 or you know even 2020, and uh, you know I go on the sideline and there's like six seven different cats with video cameras or 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 photo lenses that I've never seen before in my life, and I have no idea who they are, and they'll walk up to you know, assistant coach. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. I remember when there were only like two people here and it was like me and one other person or, you know, me and a times writer or whatever. But, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's changed, uh, quite a bit. Um, especially on the high school side. Well, yeah, even in, even in my time. Right. I mean, so, um, I, I learned how to build websites in the late nineties when the internet, you know, became a thing. And, uh, you know, during my career in, in pro football, it, it, it changed over time. Social media changed the game, obviously. Uh, you know, it, the internet was pretty fast to begin with, and then social media just made everything real time. And, you know, even, even you know, watching watching NFL football, I, we do, you know, obviously you saw what we went through with the internet connection here, and now we're, we're we got rid of cable and it's all internet. If we get a little bit of a lag, you know, we're getting ESPN scoring updates before they actually, we see them on television. Like, Oh God, catch up. Will you, uh, you know, everything is, is instantaneous. Now everything is, is real time. One of the, the interesting things though, I think, um, about what you've been doing with your career in addition to developing your skills and, 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 you know, broadening your horizons with different abilities and different skills. Yeah. I totally just skipped around your question too. you. you no, <laughs> no, 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 you didn't. You, you, I asked you how you, how you got into, you know, when you discovered that, you know, yeah, yeah no, you answered it in a roundabout <laughs> way, but you answered it. <laughs> But no, Sorry, it's, it's the it's no. the it's the eggnog and vanilla crown. I was told if I was on this podcast, I'd have to. Yeah, there there has to be at least on. one adult beverage. I've got the uh, the Glenlivet <laughs> fourteen going tonight, so so yeah, we're good. Um, no, I think I think one of the things that I find interesting, and because because when you do this uh, objectively, you know when you're when you're doing it supposed to be doing it objectively. You know, you're not supposed to, if you don't work for a team, you're not supposed to root for any particular team and that kind of thing. But you've become a bit of an evangelist for women's sports because here's the thing, right? When I you, thought you were about to ask me my opinions on fan sites and then I really was going to get myself in trouble. No, 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 because because <laughs> that's how I started was by running one. So, no, because, um, you know, yeah, there's just as much as there's good stuff out there. It's kind of like, you know, when you look at self-publishing in, in book writing, right? There's yep, there's yep. there's some great stuff out there. There's also a lot of noise out there, right? So, no, we won't, we won't, <laughs> we won't approach that topic. We'll uh, we'll we'll leave that one for the for the uh, for the late for the two a.m. regular calls. Each yes, time. yes, or or maybe the <laughs> uh, the podcast in person next time. Um, uh, yeah, with a uh, with a fast food order uh, mixed in in between. Absolutely, but <laughs> the 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 point. Yeah, you got to go through a drive through. Um, Will it does? It seems like every time you call me from the car, you take me to a drive through with you. It's ridiculous. Um, but I'm a ju- I don't know what you expect from me. I'm, well, I'm, I'm on the road. I'm I know, road but it just seems eight, like nine times a week. Crazy freaking timing. It just seems like, oh yeah, hold on, I got to place this order. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah, can I get a? No, oh, God. 
and then we're trying to get a conversation in in between you paying for food it's great yeah about 65 percent of it's chick-fil-a too which i know you roll your eyes at we we can't we can't do can't (laughs) buy chick-fil-a anymore anyway but so here's the thing i live in the south i can't i know anyway so when you look at women's sports right i kind of look at it this way Every four years, we have the Olympics. And every four years, we all give a shit about downhill skiing or uh, we care about uh, curling for five minutes. Um, and I mean, then I almost joined a curling league. Did you no really? joke. Well, then, you, then you'd have to get back on ice skates, and we know how that goes. Um, no, that's you. I'm, I'm not bad on ice skates. No, I'm never getting on them again, but that's a different story for a different day. That was <laughs> we awful. Find the video no, tape, we uh, don't. Uh, hopefully it's buried in the backyard somewhere. Um, it's buried, buried somewhere in Wesley chapel. Right. But it seems like, it seems like when it comes to women's sports, there's certain moments that we seem to care and then we don't care anymore. Right. It's like, it's kind of, it's kind of weird how, how it works like this, this past year with the, the, the Olympics, the women's basketball team was wonderful to watch. And obviously their record setting, uh, you know, unbelievable run that they've had over the last what 20 30 years um and they're fun to watch and and even you know when they had challenges from some of these other teams they just they responded and had some great players you know Brittany Griner and the aforementioned uh Brianna Stewart and, uh, and a whole bunch of other players Asia Wilson and then God, I used to love watching Brittany Griner at Baylor man oh she's I was a, like I was like in middle school when when she was coming up at Baylor and and I used to watch the highlights like every morning. She could play with the men. Seriously, she's that good. And oh, yeah. and with her size, she she could definitely play with the men. Um but as we were mentioning, you know, talking about before, you know, how are we going to get this, you know, on equal or even footing? You have the the women's uh, national soccer team, you know, wanting equal pay, and it seems like we only care about them every 4 years when they play in a World Cup. I just I don't understand or know and I know you're big into softball. I don't know where the tipping point is. I don't know where that moment is because even when it's in the national spotlight, you see the comments on social media, who gives a fuck just women's sports. It's boring. It's this, that, and the other thing. And as you mentioned, you have some fantastic athletes out there, um, not just in basketball, but in a lot of other sports, yep. and they don't get the exposure. Never mind the, the the pay; they don't get the exposure or the respect that men's sports do. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a great example: Women's College World Series this year. Um, James Madison goes on this Cinderella run, and uh, you know they 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 they, they were kind of I wouldn't say it was a shock to see them get there because they had been building building to it and that's you know lauren laporte runs a uh one's a runs a fantastic program in uh at, at jmu and i got a chance to to to, to stand next to her at uh, some travel tournaments this summer and and, and kind of listen to her talk with some other coaches and um you know super cool uh experience but um you know um uh, yeah, so 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 JMU goes on this on this miraculous run. Um, they knock off uh, Oklahoma in, in in literally the first game of the tournament. And Oklahoma had been seen as just this powerhouse; they couldn't be stopped. This you know home run hitting team, you know one of the best offenses in college softball history. Um, you know, uh, um, 
you know, all, 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 all the, all the stuff that they had been lauded for and JMU knocks them off. Uh, Odyssey Alexander pitches a, a, a fantastic first game, um, beats out uh, Shannon Sale from Land Lakes, uh, right up the road down here. I actually got a chance to interview Shannon, uh, which is super cool too. Um, kind of a living legend, um, in the area. Um, so, uh, so I, you know, I, when I had asked Shannon about it, I said, I said, you know, you, uh, you um, you, you see all of this stuff on, um, you found, you, you, you find, uh, you, you see all this, the, this stuff from JMU's, uh, win on social media and, and it's front page on ESPN. Scott Van Pelt's got it on his best thing he saw today. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, as a player, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you, how can you see that on social media or, you know, did you have to turn your phone off? Did, you know, did you have to just zone it out? She's like, yeah, my phone was off for about two days as a result. Mm -hmm. You know, she was like, I I just couldn't see it on. I just couldn't see it on Twitter. You know, we kept the TV off in a hotel room and we just got back to work, which, you know, and that's the thing is JMU goes on this run. They beat Oklahoma. Then Odyssey Alexander makes this just stupidly amazing play. I'm like, when when I saw it live, I'm like sitting there in my office and watch it live. And and I'm just sitting there screaming, Um, makes this just game changing play against Oklahoma State. Um, Diving catch. Uh, guns the runner out of home, which would have been the tie run, just viral play. Like, like I think got a couple million views off of off of ESPN, off of Sports Center, off their various social medias. You know, just just a viral play, right? And you've one got the, one, one of the, the top play by play announcers going today, covering all yeah. of this too, in Beth Mowens, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got and you've got Olympians on that broadcast. You've yep. got Michelle Smith. You've got. Uh, Lauren Chamberlain, I believe, was on a few of them. Um, the um, the girl that does uh, ESPN uh, baseball broadcasts with uh, Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, and, yeah, I can't remember her name. I know who you're talking uh, about. Mendoza, Jessica Mendoza. Yep, yep. There you go. Yep. Um, you know, she's on that call too, and and uh, you know, um, that play goes viral, right? But kind of the rest of the tournament after JMU gets knocked out or before JMU gets knocked out kind of gets lost in the fold a little bit, right? Because of what JMU did. And JMU gets all this attention day one, day two. And UCLA gets knocked out, which kind of spiked it a little bit because they're defending national champions. They have multiple Olympians on that team. They get knocked out by Florida State. Alabama's Montana Fouts uh, throws a perfect game on her 21st birthday. So there's another spike. But once you get to kind of the championship series between Oklahoma and Florida State, you're kind of like, you know, it's 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 kind of lost in the rest of the week. You know, it's kind of like almost like the fourth or fifth most important thing that week. Yeah. James, JMU run, JMU's run, uh, Fouts' perfect game. And give ESPN credit, whatever one of their networks that they put it on, whether it's the main one or ESPN two or whatever, it's they on couldn't all, even. That was the other thing, but it's they on all day, get, like the championship series on on regular ESPN, ESPN yeah. the first day. Yeah, that was like I think it was game two or game three that that was on at like no, it was game three that it was on at like four o'clock in the afternoon on ESPN two. Yeah, like that's the problem. Yeah, it's like and You're I not can't getting the right time slots. Over it. 
Yeah. I can't remember what was over it. It might have, I think it was NBA basketball, regular season too, mm. or, or playoffs. It was like game three or whatever. Well, at this point, uh, you're playoffs, looking at ratings but, plays, right? I mean, right. It, as, as exciting as the games are, you're looking at what's getting your, your ratings. And if, you know, if you're talking about the NBA in the, in the bubble and the restart and everything else, if you're talking well, about, this was, no, you know, well, this was, this is 21. Right. So this would have been after the bubble. Gotcha. So, cause they didn't play a 20 world series because of the pandemic. Uh, all right. Fair enough. You know, I just yeah. remember, you know, before my time at the Raiders was over, you know, you'd walk into anybody, any one particular office or like communal workspace and, Softball was on, right? I mean, somebody was watching it. So, um, you know, the other thing, too, was, you know, looking at watching, you know, Olympic softball, uh, which I, I found interesting. and and Which I have opinions about, too, but I won't get into that. Uh, I think, I think, I think <laughs> you know, player player selection and player choice uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. The fact that uh, the fact that Jocelyn Olive sitting at home, sitting at home, sitting up, yeah. yeah, you've got better players <laughs> sitting at home, and you've we've talked about that before. But the the analysis is there too. I I wanted to talk to you um, here on the Get to Knack podcast with Jerry Knack and my special guest, my son and multimedia sports journalist Will Turner, um, to talk a little bit about announcing and kind of the current state of where we are with with that because. The aforementioned Beth Moens continues to uh, break barriers, glass ceilings, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, she's the Bows full down the competition. No pun intended. Right? Exactly. She uh, she's a full time uh, TV play by play announcer uh, for preseason for the Las Vegas Raiders, um, which she started when the team was still in Oakland, and she uh, became, I think the first woman to do a regular season NFL game and first to do, do it on Monday night football. Um, and now she's the first woman to do a regular season NBA game play by play. So you have Beth, right? And I know, I know we've gotten, she you know, called, uh, she called, she called USF and, in uh, in BYU, uh, in September this year, which was super, super cool. And she's so good going back through. So yeah, kind of going back through uh, and 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 cutting that game up uh, for for film review and stuff like that. That was that was really cool. And you know, I know I'm biased because I've I've met her and talked to her a few times, but um, she's a classy individual and and really good at what she does. Her preparation is is second to none. But you know, when you look at at the the male broadcasters that are out there, and I, I mentioned it at the top of the show talking about voices, right? I mean, when I grew yeah. up. The voices that you heard in sports, to me, to this day, are iconic voices, right? I mean, I grew up on Jack Buck, Kurt Gowdy, uh, even even Dick Enberg and and uh, Vern Lundquist and, and Charlie yep. Jones and these guys who had these voices, right? And as soon as it, you turned the TV out, you knew who was doing the game. And unfortunately, we recently lost John Madden, and I know he's not a play-by-play guy, but his partner, Pat Summerall, had that. Right. He had that instantly recognizable voice. And I think the guys, a lot of the, the fe- people we have today are instantly recognizable for all the wrong fucking reasons. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you watch a game now. I mean, we still have Al Michaels on, on Sunday Night Football and everybody knows the voice. And you go back to 1980 and the, speaking of the Olympics and the uh, uh, U.S. hockey team beating Russia and do you, the whole do you believe in miracles and he made his bones during a World Series that actually was a news event because of an earthquake. Um, 
in 89 with, uh, with the A's. So, um, but you know, you have, you have, uh, Joe Buck, who's probably got his, you know, I would say, you know, he lives on his name. Uh, Jack, Jack. See, a lot of people hate on him, but I don't mind him. I, I'm just not a fan. I don't think there's anything special about him, right? I don't hate on him really either. There's, he's had a few moments like, like when he tried to, you know, be holier than thou with Randy Moss and the whole mooning thing and, you know, but I, I, mean, I think the whole I think the whole, you know, all star game interviews are, are kind of cringy uh, during a baseball all star game. <laughs> yeah, I think I think just their their big game baseball coverage is cringy anyway. I don't like their postseason coverage. And it's always been, you know, even even when my Yankees were in their their more recent heyday, when they trot out Tim McCarver and and, you know, I've never really cared for postseason baseball coverage on on any of it. But you know, Ian Eagle, Kevin Harlan, uh, some of these folks, it's like, you know, Gus Johnson seems to be the only guy out there that really has put his imprint on anything. Everybody else is just Kevin Harlan. I will say about Kevin Harlan does play by play of streakers or, or fans running on the field better than anybody I've ever heard. You know who I used to really, really like actually growing up was, uh, was, 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 uh, Marv Albert. Yeah, and I happen to be living. I grew in the... up on Mar. I grew up on Marv Albert with uh, like the NBA 2K or with yeah, the NBA yeah. Live series back in the day. And I was living like... in Alexandria, Virginia, when he went sideways, and that was all anybody wanted to talk about. It was all in the news. He talk about a resurrection. Talk about a guy who who reclaimed his his life and his career after that. A lot. Yeah. I mean, in today's cancel culture, we would have never heard from Marv Albert ever again. No. No, you wouldn't have. Right, but the guy rebuilt his reputation and everything else, and he had an iconic voice, and, he, and even his his brother Kenny sounds a little bit like him too, but, you know, uh, yeah, Marv, uh, Marv had a distinct, unique voice, absolutely, but he's, I think he's old school, he's an older generation guy, I think. I think maybe one of the few that, that kind of do that, at least in basketball now, is, is who kind of has his own shtick, is Mike Breen. Yeah. You know, I think I think he's got his own. Mike Breen, Mike Breen gave gave the most iconic call. Uh, you know, for for us Miami Heat fans, um, you know the 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 you know here here here's his three pointer uh, rebound, Bosch back out to Allen, bang. I mean, you see a video of that, you could watch it on mute, but you still hear the call in your head. Yeah, you know, anytime I watch that video, I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, the 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 Spurs still don't have a timeout, you know. Um, yep. <laughs> and you know, you know, one of the guys I like, and I've met him in person, and you know, but again, from from a voice standpoint, is kind of rather vanilla. Was always Jim Nance, right? And and not only for the NFL, See, I, was ne- I was never, yeah, I was never a Jim Nance guy either. But, but nor Phil Sims. I hate uh, it. No, Sims. we're not even going to get into it. That's another thing for another day. I'm Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason are going to fight. I swear <laughs> they're going to fight because because Boomer left him hanging today on the, you know how they do the the uh, over under whatever you know uh, more whatever the segment is that they do uh, on NFL Today, um, and Boomer left Phil hanging on a, on a fist bump. It was pretty funny. They're they're going to fight. Uh, but see, I have a problem when it comes to word pronunciations and Phil Sims cannot say the name Williams to save his life. He says Williams. 
drives me absolutely insane. I can't <laughs> listen to the guy. And that that's why I never liked Tim McCarver either, because when the Yankees were in their heyday, Bernie Williams was a center fielder, and he kept calling him Bernie Williams. And then the other guys I can't stand are the ones who call them the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know what a Jaguar is. And that's, you know, uh, Chris Mortensen from ESPN. A bunch of ESPN, clowns, apparently. Uh, that beat the snot out of the Indianapolis Colts to knock them out of the NFL playoff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I just think, you know, it's really interesting to see if we're ever going to have, like, an iconic voice in announcing, right? I mean, I like to think I have a decent voice. You've got a really good voice. Your brother's got a pretty good voice, uh, as far as you know, you know, voice quality and, and resonance and and all of that. But I just, I, I don't know. There's something, there's something missing. I think, and, and maybe it's because I'm, I am so kind of old school and nostalgic about such things. But I don't know. I don't know what you think of it, of, of announcing, just, you know, uh, distinct voices. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's kind of what you said with 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 the folks that are already doing it. Um, you know, I I think I when you look at you know your top guys, right? You look at you look at your A teams as as they're kind of re- re- referred to. I think Tony Romo is honestly one of the best up and coming color analysts you have out there. You know, with with the way he breaks the game down and all that stuff, which is you know, you tell me that ten years ago that Tony Romo was gonna be your you know, your leading analyst on on CBS every Sunday, I would have told you you were fucking crazy. Um but uh but yeah, I mean you look at you look at those guys and you know, there is going to be a time where, you know, uh where Nance is gonna have to step down and Nance is, you know but 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 who takes over, right? Like when Brent Musburger took a, had had stepped down for whether his comments on AJ McCarron's girlfriend were too, uh, were, were, were too much. Think about that in cancel culture. But Jesus he's doing Christ. Raiders radio now. So he's, oh, he's he really? yeah, and he's doing a lot of stuff in Las Vegas, uh, like hosting some kind of uh, gambling or betting or something or other. Uh, so Musburger. Yes, 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 so is Sean King. Yeah, Musburger bounced back. So, um, you know, agreed, right? So who takes Nance's place? And and you know, as far as like college like, well, basketball, well, the, the point I, the point I was gonna the point I was gonna make with Musburger is 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 Chris Fowler has taken his place. Yes, you're Rana, right, one hundred percent. And 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 say what you will about Kirk Herbstreit, but I think that Fowler Herbstreit duo is easily the best among any of the top A teams. Well, look at what they just did the other night. They slipped right in. Yeah, they slipped right into NFL. Right. I mean, so, yep. you know, be, and the, a lot of their knowledge comes across from from college. And that's one of the things I like about Beth Mowens is her deep knowledge of, of, you know, where these guys went to college, who they played for, who their coaches were, all of that stuff. Fowler and Herbstreit brought that to an NFL broadcast. You know, who I really like um, and he's done some NFL, too. But, you know, for college football, I really like Brad Nessler. And I think yeah. Brad, Brad's got yeah. a good style. I like his voice. Um you know, I liked, and I he kind of got ran out of town. He was an older guy, but he remember Ron Franklin? I thought no, he, I yeah, he was an older guy. He used to do a lot of uh, ESPN college football, and they kind of moved him when they first really started doing the Thursday night package for college football before the NFL mm. tried to take over Thursday night. Ron Franklin, uh, you know, had a really really good thing going. Um, there's there's some good teams out there, right? And I think when it comes to college basketball, I don't know about play by play, but I tell you who I really like as an analyst is Clark Kellogg. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I like Clark Kellogg, whether he's doing college or NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's a guy who played. He's from the heartland. He grew up in Ohio. You know, so he knows, you know, you know the the roots of basketball. And he's – Clark Kellogg's a, a, one of those guys. But when it comes to play-by-play, you know, there's just a lot of nondescript voices out there. And it, it just – you know, I yep. just wonder – you know, that's uh. By the way, that's Ohio State Buckeye Clark Kellogg. I you. know I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah, <laughs> no uh, Kellogg. Kellogg's uh, uh. You know I like the way he break, he picks his spots. He breaks it down. Um. You know and, and and I don't I don't mind Jay Billis so much, but um. You know it just. Well, I don't, and then you've got and then you've got and then you've got uh. You know Dickie V before he went uh. You know he went through another round of chemotherapy. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is he was starting to lose his voice anyway, and I kind of put him in the same category as uh, Lee Corso. And, mm. and here's the thing about ESPN that blows my mind. College football, I think ESPN does it better than anybody else. Of all the sports ESPN covers, of all the sports that everybody covers, ESPN college football is the creme de la creme. It, it, is, it yep. is a full day starting with college game day, going all the way until if you want to fall asleep watching Hawaii play. Um, you know, speaking of which, have you seen the crazy shit that's going on out there? No, I haven't. Oh my God, Todd, you need to look into that. If you, if, if, uh, if you're feeling, if you're feeling like it, because I'll tell you right now, um, Todd Graham, I don't know how he still has a job mm. like that. The situation to, is ever, ever I'll since, look uh, it up. when Nick, yeah, when, when, when Nick Rolovich went to, um, Washington State, Todd Graham took over at, uh, at Hawaii, and and it's just kind of a nightmare. And Rolovich, who got run out of Washington State because he didn't want to get vaccinated, um, yeah. but uh, but my my point is, out of everything that ESPN does, their college football coverage is spectacular. And and you're right about um, you know Fowler and Herb Street. You know, but again, Fowler doesn't have some great voice. He's just good at calling the action, right? He's um, he's competent. He he and Herb Street play off each other very well. Ohio State quarterback, former uh, Kirk Herb Street. So whilst we be bullshitting, um, <laughs> right? I remember well, when well, he Kirk, was. The, well, 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 Kirky, Kirky's got to figure out his uh, his stances on nil and, and oh, transfer yeah. before there's, anything else. There, there's a lot of self serving and and uh, you know kissing the ring that goes on there. But um, but you you look at a guy like Lee Corso, and I love Lee, and I think you know I think he's great, but I think he's at the point, and and Lee can write his own ticket, he can do whatever he wants, but you know love Lee, but I think it's time for Lee to go. Um, and same thing with Dick Vitale. And I think, you know, it's, it's funny how they used to just trot out Billy Packer. That's a Lakewood Ranch resident, Dick Vitale to you. It's awesome, Dude, like, baby, with a capital A. He's a PTP. He's a glass cleaner. There's your Dickie Dude, V for tonight. Dude, Dude lives like not even an hour away from, from where I'm how, at. That was he's pretty good, in, wasn't it? He's down, yeah, it was. It was yeah, thank it was. you. I appreciate it. He he's down he's down a retirement village USA along that South Sun Coast. <laughs> is he driving that, that a customized golf cart or what? Shoot, man. You know how they know. are down there. They all get the, those expensive customized golf carts. But the yeah, thing- from Braden from, from, from Braden all the way down to Cape Coral, like yeah. in, in Naples. Like, it, like, like that 
bumping stereo systems and everything else. It's just a golf cart. Yeah. Well, it it was really really funny because there was a former um, Braden River, which is in Bradenton, Florida. Um, Braden River uh, wide receiver by the name of Knowledge McDaniel <laughs> and. Knowledge McDaniel. Yeah, I know. That's what I, I know the name. It's no Cavassier Smoke, though. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, no Storm Duck either. Yeah, right. Um, but, but so Knowledge McDaniel was, uh, had transferred, uh, God, I can't remember what school he transferred from. He transferred in and out of, of, uh, uh, uh transferred to Braden River. And he was, uh, this, you know, uh, Braden River had, 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 a, previously uh you know had some had some questions about recruiting and 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 all that all that crap i mean you know say what you will between you know the braden river and venice spats back in the day um you know when those two teams played on a regular basis which you know that's that's kind of a mess but so so knowledge had been ruled ineligible for for like six games which um like six or seven games um, but there was a lot more to the story. I think he, um, he was, was homeless or something of that nature, or his parents were, um, his, his, like his parents weren't in the picture or something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing really, really bad. Um, but, but, but he didn't have the most stable of home of home life. So he had moved in with, uh, a, a teammate, uh, from Braden River, whose parents were a part of the Booster Club, and the FHSAA had deemed this as ineligible, you know, privileges or something of that nature, you know, and said that he had been recruited to Braden River and uh, had had received, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, like a like a recruiting package or something like that. Hmm. So. Dick Vitale went on the record and just advocated for this guy, for this kid, who's not Marshall, um, advocated for this kid. And, and I guess knowledge was working as a busboy at one of Dick's, Dickie V's favorite brunch spots. Um, the green egg or the green sombrero or something, something like that down, in, down at Bradenton, Sarasota. And, um, so he, so he, he had found knowledge because of that and ended up going viral against the association because Dickie V was like, you know, parading around this kid as, as, you know, hardworking, you know, good natured kid that didn't deserve the punishment and, um, all this other stuff. And, 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 and eventually got the suspension uh, eventually had gotten this suspension, um, uh, lessened to, I think it was like the postseason or something like that. Like he play in all 10 games at a regular season, but, um, but, but the postseason he couldn't play in or something like that. If Braden river had made a run, but, um, or could only play, I think it was like, maybe he could only play in like district games or something like that. But, um, yeah, so like Dickie V's like been like an integral part of like down down in um uh down in uh Bradenton, Sarasota. It's kind of it's kind of trippy, man. Yeah, it's 
really interesting that uh, you know there's this this handful of color commentators, analysts. I mean, I go back to Billy Packer, um, but there's Bill Raftery, there's Dick Vitale, these older gentlemen that that you know they coach the game, and and you know a lot of them didn't necessarily do very well. <laughs> Um, but they're knowledgeable and, and, you know, but you get to a point where, where the, the shtick gets old and, you know, I get tired of listening to Dick Vitale talk about CYO coaches from South Boston, uh, you know, that nobody ever heard of. It, it just makes me wonder how much longer they're going to hang on. How many people turn the channel because they're doing the game at this point. Right. So, but, um, I do find it really, really interesting that there's some barriers being broken down, especially by somebody I, I've met personally, and and she's a real class act and, and good at what she does, and um, you know. But I do wonder, I do wonder what's next. We're, we're seeing some more female uh, color commentators. Uh, you mentioned one in baseball. There's there's been some in hockey recently, um, and I think yeah, there 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 was one there was one new one that that did a USF game. Um, Gosh, I think it might have been the two lane. Crap, I can't remember what game it was. Maybe the Temple game. I can't remember. Um, I, I didn't cut that game up, but, um, the, but, but yeah. Apparently, there was supposed to be a play by play. Another girl that did play by play. I just can't remember what game it was for. Um, but you're also yeah, starting, yeah, and and you're starting to start uh, starting to see a lot of the sideline reporters graduating to, um hosting studio shows, Maria Taylor being a, a prime example. Um, and rather than, you know, kind of, I think they grow them in a vat somewhere. They all seem to be the Stepford sideline reporters, but you're starting to see more of them graduate to studio shows, which is great, which I think is fantastic. Um, but uh, it's a, uh, it's really interesting time, but I think, you know, I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime. You might see it in yours that there's, you know, I don't think the playing field is going to be 100% level, but it's going to be a lot better in your lifetime. I don't think I'm going to see it when it comes to both um, uh, the playing of the sports, getting attention and recognition it deserves, and also women who cover the sports. I mean, there's a lot of great writers and journalists and, uh, you know, female uh, reporters that cover the games, uh, both men and women, but I don't think we're going to at least not in my lifetime. Right. And I like to think I got a little more time to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to, we'll have to see a lot of the, you know, misogynistic, uh, uh, 12 year olds that are, that are in the ESPN, uh, replies on every tweet regarding <laughs> women's support. have got to have, have got to get out of that stage. There's, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there, there, there's a lot of hate in the world when it comes to that stuff. Well, there's a lot um, of hate in the world. Period, but that's a, another discussion yeah. for another day. But you know, kind of looking at kind of where I wanted to go with the whole conversation to kind of wrap it up for for this show. When you kind of go back to like when my dad, your grandfather, was was coming up in the '60s, you know, to become a disc jockey, you needed a great voice, and he had a great voice. And I think you know, talking about uh, Carl Bernstein. He happened to be, I mean, he, he cut his teeth. He, he paid his dues and did what he had to do. But at the same time, I think for some of these media roles, it was easier to get into them 
back then than it is today. I think there's a whole bunch of people out there who think, I can do this, I can be a whatever. But as you've proven, you got to put in the work, you got to learn the basics, right? I mean, because writing is kind of old school, regardless of what you're using to, to bang your words out on. But, you know, you got to start with a good foundation in some of the old school gumshoe techniques, but then utilize the technology that's at your disposal to, to forge your career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it now. Um, especially with, with, um, with internet sites popping up literally like, uh, like every day, (laughs) um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's fan sites, there's, um, there's fan sites, there's, there's, blogs, um, blogs, there's, you know, student publications, you know, it's all podcasts. Yeah. Like there, there's so many, there's so many, so many ways to, 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 to get into it. Now there comes the question of, is there too much? And, you know, you and I have had that conversation plenty of times. And then the next conversation is what makes my voice, what makes my opinion, what makes my, you know, what makes me and my opinions on a team that has 400 other opinions, you know, if you want to do something on like an NFL team, what makes my opinion better or more valuable because a lot of this is about value than everybody else's and that's like you know with usf is why do people subscribe to the website that i run because you get you know recruiting analysis because you know we're tied in with bay area especially especially recruits that are from the bay area so we get that like like bread and butter um but then it's 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 we know what's going on on the team because we have our sources, we have things like that. And, and, and that sets us apart. Well, you've done the legwork, right? I mean, because you go back 20 years and 20 years ago, it was, I don't like the team site. I can do it better. Um, you know, and I can say things that the team site can't say, but now, but the, and, and, and then your question is, is, but but then your question is is you've got you know twenty other websites that that say the same thing right so now the question and who actually is, is better you know right what do you offer that's different right what is like you said the word is value what value do you bring or are you just adding to the noise and if you're just adding to the noise all you're doing is exercising your own narcissism. Right. Because you're only all you're doing is you're you're just you're shouting into the void to shout into the void. And it's like a lot of these like small little, you know, Instagram pages, you know, that 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 pop up or Twitter pages that are just compilations of what the major outlets report. And then that takes away from the attention that the major outlets get, you know, Um that takes that that devalues the scoop, that devalues the information that they're providing, and and you know, and that kind of is a is a dangerous slippery slope. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I, I found my USF pictures, 
um, and my information on USF or recruiting or something like that posted on some random Instagram feed by some person. Like, oh, you know, it's not even Instagram only, right? I mean, we've we've gone through that together. Uh, yep. or, have, or have helped you out, you know, trying to hunt down some stuff or compare images to see if they're the same or, you know, talk about uh, digital rights management and yep. copyright and trademark. And, you know, I've told you my own stories about that, um, you know, where I've run into similar situations. I think I think as long as the Internet exists, we're going to have um, we're going to have similar uh, experiences, shared experiences where we've gone through the same thing. You know, now supposedly with the blockchain and NFTs and all this other stuff that's out there now, there's supposedly some better way to at least protect art right now. I don't know if that's ever going to be a, a thing when it comes to, uh, you know, just straight uh, news photography and that covers sports as well, obviously, in, in this context. But, um, yep. you know, I think I saw somewhere. You know, Twitter wants to institute a policy where you have to get the everybody's permission in the picture before you can share it on Twitter. And my argument was, fuck you. Um, you you got to be kidding. I mean, seriously, I mean, when when you're taking, you know, photos in public spaces, there's no you can't. No, that's that's not even a thing. It can't be a thing. Now, if you're if you're jacking stuff from somewhere, you know, that's a whole different ballgame. But, you know, I think. I think for what you're doing, though, and, and I think because you've taken an old school approach to the basics, right, and you're using all the tools, the digital photography, video, audio, all these different, um, you know, electronic and digital media, but you, you take that old school approach of, of uh, corroborating your information, checking your sources, all of that, you don't you know, put something out into the universe that's, that's, um, not sourced properly. And I think, you know, if you continue to do that and continue to use existing and emerging technology and media, you've got a long and bright future ahead of you because you have the grounding in the old school approach. Yeah. I mean, you got to, it's, it's that simple. You got to be able to do it. And, I mean, and these techniques are tried and true and have been around for, you know, 200 years or longer uh, of, you know, as as the field has evolved. I mean, we can talk about television news until we're blue in the face and, and how that's changed for the, the worse over the years. But that's, you know, not what we're doing right now. But anyway. No. No. William, uh, you'll you'll have to, to come on the show again and uh, we'll have to dive deeper into uh, some of these other topics and uh, and really, uh, really tear them apart. But I'm uh, I'm glad you're able to come on the show this week. Yeah, it was uh, it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. Definitely uh, killed a killed a little bit of time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's why we East do it. Coast. Yeah, yeah right. here uh, on the East Coast before the before the week gets uh, before the week gets crazy. Right so, and uh, yeah, got a whole uh, got a whole offensive coordinator search that hopefully gets uh, gets quelled. Um, that gets quelled uh, hopefully by tomorrow. I mean, we 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 we, we basically know who who's gonna get in there. Um, like I said, Travis Trickett, but right, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta make sure that actually kind of happens because um, you know all these things are pretty much subject to change up until. Up until uh, the the guy is announced, so yeah, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of NFL rumors flying around that you know you you can't. 
and this was a thing that I ran into my entire career. You know, it's not done until there's ink on the paper. Right. I mean, anything can change up until yeah. the 11th hour. And that goes for transfer portal stuff, coach hirings, free agent signings uh, in every sport. It, it's not done until it's yeah. done. Yeah. And I mean, the 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 word the word that, you know, it's kind of put to me. I was, you know, I was asking around with one of my sources and I was like, hey, I was like, I was like, so so is this kind of done? And he's like, it's unofficially official because, you know. <laughs> Neil Brown had to Neil Brown had to had to offer a counter offer or something like that. And I'm like, oh great, that's awesome. So, you know, it's it's And that's this is why my media friends all on Twitter use the term officially official. (laughs) When it happens when it's on paper, when the contract's signed or the deal is done and it's submitted to That's why we that's why we use the term expected to hire. Right. Like like we expect them to hire. Right. XYZ. Yeah. It's it's really interesting the difference when you work for a team and when you don't, right? I mean, there's so many things you can do when you don't, which I've covered football that way. And obviously I did what I did for, you know, as long as I did, where you work for a team and and you know, you have to wait for the the ink to dry. But, you know, every once in a while you get this rare opportunity where you get the exclusive, you get the, the, whatever my photo of Charles Woodson, when he came back to the Raiders led NFL total access, I was the only one who got it. So every once in a while you get that moment where, you know, regardless of you're with the team, not with the team, your newspaper, your website, your radio, your TV, whatever, you get those rare moments during your career and you just kind of hang your hat on them, (laughs) you know? Yep. So, but no, I'm really glad uh, you joined the program this week. Love you, boy. Yeah, love you too. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. We'll have to, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely, and we'll have to make sure the the next one of the next times we do it, we'll probably do it again before then. But we'll have to make sure we do one in person and uh, and have a grand old time doing that with uh, with a bottle of something interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna have to get uh, we're we're gonna have to get little little sauce for that one. Yeah, we won't talk about my birthday. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that, God. Crap. Was that fourteen year old Scotch or fifteen? I don't even remember now. No, it was eighteen. It was like Glen Fittich. Well, it was Glen Fittich. I don't think it was an eighteen though. It was close. It was like a fifteen. No, it was a, it was an eight. No, it was an eighteen. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you remember better than I do. Anyway, yeah, you, yeah, you were. I mean, shoot, I was, I was sauce, but you were. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you nearly couldn't hold your liquor. That's awesome. Well, I, yeah. Well, anyway, it was great to spend my birthday with you and and uh, the family here in Washington. It was great. So happy to have you, it. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you to camp out with me one of these nights when I fly into Bozeman or, or, Jesus uh, Christ, or Salt camping. Lake. Okay, I'm gonna pretend to be homeless. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We'll have to make sure we have plenty of something to to sip on. You can't. Yeah, you can't tell me you don't want to go. You don't want to go camp in Yellowstone. Come on. I want to see some stuff. I don't know if I want to pretend to be homeless. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast for multimedia sports journalist and my oldest son, Will Turner. I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next week.